Alright, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your lovely host, Rafal Machevsky, and this is episode 208. I am pumped about this episode because I'm going to talk about the squat and how it's different for every single individual out there, just like the deadlift in my previous episode. If you have not listened to that one just yet, you definitely, you should, you should actually just stop listening right now, pause this episode, and go to the deadlift one. That's probably two or three episodes back, and uh, it will make a lot of sense for you to go in that direction. Um, so before I get started, I'm going to do some shout-outs because the top three cities are all over the world, and I think this is so cool. So number one, and I think this is the first time that's ever popped up on um, my radar in top ten, is Vienna in Austria. Shout out to everyone in Austria listening to my show. That is super freaking cool. Number two, I'm probably going to butcher this, Luzerin in Switzerland. Shout out to everyone in Switzerland. If someone is on my Facebook or Instagram from Switzerland, please send me the per, like the proper way of pronouncing that city so I don't sound like an idiot. And number three is Sydney, Australia. Shout out to everyone in Australia. Shout out to everyone all over the world that listens to my show. This is so freaking cool. Um, yeah, let's let's get this thing started because we got a lot of stuff to cover and I don't want to miss anything. So this is all coming from one of my seminars that I have put together with a chiropractor that I work with directly and we've been seeing a lot of people in the clinic and in the gym who have trouble with you know main lifts and compound lifts like the deadlift and squat and the number one thing I tell people all the time and my clients my patients whoever is that your body is completely different from the person on the left and right of you in the gym and whatever their squat and deadlift looks like should be 100% different the way that you squat and deadlift. So there is a lot to do with hip structure on the squat. And one of the reasons why I wanted to get into this is because when I posted my deadlift um, episode, I had a lot of people reach out to me and they mentioned that they were you know, surprised that they didn't think of you know, the prerequisites that I mentioned. And some people even reached out and asked if um, they could send me their deadlift for a form check. And I'm like, hell yeah, send me your videos. I would love to see your deadlift and give you some feedback. Because, you know, the changes that I'm talking about when it comes to how your body's structured are small, minimal, but they go a really, really long way when it comes to performance, getting stronger, and being pain-free. And I think the thing that people forget is that when you do these compound lifts, you wanna be pain-free the entire time. 
because down the road when you start hitting plateaus that's going to be your limiting factor if you're constantly banged up from squatting and deadlifting you're never going to see the numbers that you want and you probably will get to a point of like no return and you develop such a bad habit of your form that it's going to be really difficult to get rid of in order to get through those plateaus so this is where smart training comes into play focusing on mobility exercises and things like that to be able to you know crush the bar essentially so today we're going to go over the squat and this is again from my seminar and eventually i'm going to post the entire thing because we filmed the deadlift portion and we ran out of time so you know we I think it was 90 minutes long so I'm going to post that eventually and then we're doing the squat uh, portion later um, there's a couple things I want to get into with the squat in the beginning is that everyone just assumes that they should be barbell dead uh, barbell squatting right off the bat and just like the deadlift it's like do you have the prerequisites to actually get there you know one of the things that I bring up is you know to actually get into the rack position of a barbell back squat like you need really good healthy mobile shoulders so like that's kind of like the first layer that I look at where people um, should go to is check how the shoulders are moving a lot of times with general population you're sitting at a desk all day and those shoulders round into that internal rotation and especially for guys who don't have a background in fitness or like looking at the research of um, what's happening to the human body when you're doing certain exercises they fall into this category that you know when they grab the bar in that rack position those shoulders are dropping forward because they're internally rotated and their elbows are flaring out like right behind them and that position does not feel good because in the back squat you actually want to think of grabbing the barbell and pulling down and I'm going to get into that later to why so when I assess a client I check if they have adequate um, external internal rotation of their shoulders I also check for lat length because that plays a huge role in back squatting I also check um, you know hamstring flexibility and you know dynamic hamstring uh, hamstring flexibility actively because a lot of times when people squat you know the ones who have those so-called tight hamstrings like they'll look good coming down but on the way up it's like they shift their butt back and they almost turn the back squat into like a good morning and that's an indication that their hamstrings are aka tight and they need some work so there's a lot to it um so like one of the easy drills that i do is a uh, face the wall squat with the hands um above the head in an overhead position so i get a client four inches away from the wall with the toes straight which is on purpose to test their uh, hip mobility and then I want them to squat as low as possible without their face or knees touching the walls. And really quickly, you'll see the true colors, as I call it, of how someone's squat will look like when you place the bar on their backs. 
and a lot of people can't pass this but they just feel like they should be barbell back squatting but they have no business being there now on the flip side you're allowed to back back squat with the barbells just you need to have the certain prerequisites just like i said or you're just going to be building strength over dysfunction and something's going to implode in your body the other thing i look at is if someone can actually extend their hips without using their low back or hamstrings like do they have a good firing sequence where their glute activates first then their hamstrings then their ql you know all of these things matter when it comes to placing a heavy load on your back and you're hoping for the best um so i'm going to kind of move on and go through um my notes here and my slides and you know the first thing i bring up is um the anatomy of the hip because it is super super important to understand that hip structure dictates how you squat and deadlift and lunge now there's something called your joint capsule where the femoral head of your femur so remember the hip is a ball and socket joint and it should be able to move freely but if the you know joint cavity and capsule have some sort of restrictions in there and now that ball and socket um, structure is not going to move the way it's designed and it's going to find a different angle or a different point or worse yet it gets stuck and the joint can't move and it's just kind of like you're just jamming like a square peg in a round hole constantly constantly until something in that hip feels pinchy tight even sharp stabbing pain but people still back squat anyway and the hips just get worse so if you follow me on facebook or instagram i'm a huge huge advocate of the frc and kin stretch anything that dr andrew spina spits out is where i start first when it comes to joint health you know there's an exercise called uh, hip cars that i constantly do and it's something that you should really check out so actually what i'm going to do is for anyone out there who has tight hips their hips just don't feel right and it's limiting them in their squat i'm going to put a link in the show notes of this episode of hip cars and the tutorial on how to do it and then i always tell people that you know this exercise is going to help you so much if you do it daily and also before your workouts so cars is an abbreviation for controlled articular rotations which basically is a fancy way of saying that we're going to move the joint in the direction it's designed to move in now the important thing to note is you know how i describe cars is almost like flossing your teeth in the beginning your gums are bleeding it sucks you hate doing it and you sometimes forget but you got to build a habit to it and the more you do it the better quality your teeth are going to you know become so just like flossing cars is flossing for your joints the more you do it the better the integrity of your joint joint capsule will be because we're constantly sending good feedback and information to the joint which is directly related to your brain and nervous system and that uh, signal that's constantly sent to your brain and nervous system will improve the movement quality in that joint 
Along with that, we're sending synovial fluid, nutrients, blood flow to that area constantly. So if you put two and two together, those joints are gonna move a lot better. So when it comes to the squat, let's look at the foundation first. Let's look at the structure of the hip. How's it moving? How's it designed? Because that's gonna dictate how you're gonna squat in the gym. And that's where I kind of start um, with clients. I kind of educate them. I try to educate anyone who's been in powerlifting or wants to get into a heavy back squat position or, what, or whatever it may be. Now, uh, something important to note is also there's, I believe uh, I could be wrong on this, four to six different types of pelvises out there. So depending on where you're from, where your DNA comes from, your origins, your hip structure is going to be different. So an example is I'm Eastern European. I can deep squat like nobody's business. I can sit in a squat position, nice and low, get back up, no pain whatsoever. The North American hip, people get stuck. It's just, they just can't do it. And one of the examples is like in my slides, I have a um, photo of these two different pelvises. And on the left-hand side, it shows where the hip socket is, where the, you know, the ball and socket meet in the cavity, you know, the hip points forward and has a sharp angle pointing forward. And on the other pelvis that's right beside it, it shows how the hole essentially for the femur head to go into opens laterally and has a curved shape. So just with these two different types of pelvises that I show to my, um, seminar people are going to be like holy shit like this does matter so think about that like your pelvis is going to be completely different right if the two hips that i'm talking about if one of them has a more um like one opens more laterally than the other that's going to show up in the gym when you're squatting and placing your feet on the ground, how you're gonna like maneuver your body going down and up in the squat. So we have that. So we have different types of pelvises where the, you know, where the socket is, how it opens up either forward, laterally, however it's designed. And now on top of that is that your left hip socket and right hip socket are designed completely different. They're not exactly the same. And then on top of that, if you are a woman who gave birth, maybe your pelvis is out of alignment. Maybe as a guy or a woman, you're born with one leg shorter than the other. That's going to play a role. Maybe you're someone with a partial hip um, replacement or a full hip replacement, and then your other hip is somewhat okay. Now, that plays a whole nother role. Another thing that people don't think about is like your length of your levers. So for me... I actually have a short femur in relation to my tibia and fibula. Like those things matter. So now to throw another thing into the equation is some of us have femurs that are twisted forward or backwards. So in my slides, I actually show an example of this where, you know, how the alignment of your femur and the hip joint dictates how you squat. So having a more angled femur is something called an anti, uh, anti-verted hip 
whereas a flattened angle gives us a retroverted uh, hip. And now the, the difference between those two is one's going to have more external rotation of the hip and the other one's going to have more internal rotation of the hip. So already I'm adding to this list, like it's, it's getting crazy. Like you're probably listening, you're like, holy fuck, there's so many things that's happening to my hips and what am I supposed to do? So I'm not going to throw another layer on top of this. So we also have connective tissue called fascia that are that's all over our body. And for majority of us, we sit on our ass all the fucking time. So that fascia that's connected all around us, around our hips, is going to create some tightness. It's going to create some neurological tone. It's going to really fuck shit up more than what you're dealing with with all the stuff that I... Um, mentioned earlier. So what we're going to have to do is figure out what's the best squatting position for you and what's the best approach. And maybe where you start off is actually taking a few steps back and then going back to the barbell back squat. So I can't give a full answer of what you should be doing because it's going to be different for every single person. But a few coaching cues that I give to people on the spot to see um, what would be the best um, squatting position for them is things like let's elevate your heels because you need adequate uh, dorsiflexion, which is another thing that I forgot to even mention is you need adequate ankle mobility to be able to back squat properly. That's why a lot of powerlifters and Olympic weightlifters have um, special shoes that raise the heel, right? So that's another thing that you have to consider is like, do I have enough ankle mobility to be able to squat down and allow my tib and fib to go forward in a certain angle in order to generate enough power to go straight up, right? So now with all these things kind of against you, we gotta find the best position for you. So what I do is an assessment where I do some hip scouring. And this will give me a better idea where the person's hips like to fall into when it comes to um, a squatting pattern. And that's where I kind of start the person. That's where I start um, my kind of detective work. And a lot of times when it comes to form for squatting is a lot of like trial and error. So it's like, okay, I'm going to have my feet wider than hip width squat down. That doesn't feel that great. I feel pinching. I'm going to externally rotate my feet out by 20-ish degrees. Okay, that felt better. I'm going to elevate my heels. Okay, that felt better. My shoulders are super, super tight in this position. Maybe I'll go wider or more narrower, or maybe I need to focus on mobility work in my squat before I get into it. Maybe I have some neurological tone and tightness that I need to take care of in my warm-up with foam rolling and different soft tissue techniques and some sort of like cars exercise in order for my squat to feel good. And sometimes it's just a neurological thing. Maybe we need to kind of activate certain things. Let's activate your glutes, our core. Let's activate, you know, grip strength. Let's create tension. Sometimes people don't even know how to create tension in their back squat. You know, like I was chatting with one of the members in uh, my gym that I train out of 
And this guy is a beast. He is strong. And then he injured himself during the back squat. And when I took him out onto the gym floor, I'm like, okay, hey, let's see your back squat. And then I asked him, like, okay, hey, how do you create tension in your back squat? And he didn't know what that even meant. So just like your deadlift, you want to be able to brace. So that bracing strategy for a deadlift compared to a squat is completely different. And what I said earlier about pulling the bar down, a lot of people make the mistake of like, they just kind of hold on to the bar and don't do anything with it. When I coach clients and patients how to back squat, I want them to grip that bar as hard as possible and pull it down into their traps to think of them activating their lats like they're doing a wide ass pull up or a lat pull down exercise to create tensions through the lats to translate down into their pelvis to get those glutes going. A lot of people with shitty shoulders can't do that. That's going to hurt them. So to end this, I know I said a lot of stuff and I wish I could like just give a blanket statement of how you're supposed to squat, but it's really difficult if I can't see the person. So again, I'm going to leave this open. If you want to send me how your squat looks like, 100%, I would love to look at it and give you some pointers. And maybe it's like you just need a good assessment to figure out what's the best strategy for you. You know, maybe you have like an inactive internal oblique on the left that's causing you not being able to create more tension and you have this weird weight shift. Maybe you even have a broken big toe injury from several years ago that's causing you not being able to create enough tension into the ground to drive through. There's so many things out there. Actually, another thing I'm going to mention is pelvic, uh, pelvic uh, floor strength. If you're a woman who's had a couple kids, maybe even one, even a kid that, that's 13 years old right now, if you never retrained how your pelvic floor is supposed to function, that's going to reflect in that back squat. So the way I, I explain tension in the deadlift and squat is I want your diaphragm that sits at the very bottom of your rib cage and then your pelvic floor that's at the very bottom of your lower abdomen. When you create sufficient um, tension, that lower piece of your pelvic floor and that upper piece of your diaphragm should come close together, creating this like cylinder effect of compressed pressure. And similar to, um, I give this analogy all the time, is like, you know, if you take a Coke can unopened and you put it on the ground and you step on it, because there's so much compressed air in there and it hasn't been opened, that thing's not crushing down and you weigh so much more but it's that compressive force that has tension in there that's keeping it tight. Now imagine opening up that Coke can, pouring out a little bit of the Coke, and now stepping on it, there's no tension. You're just going to crush that thing. It's the same thing when it comes to proper core tension for these main lifts. So there's a lot of stuff to think about, and I can keep talking about this, but we're already 23 minutes in, and I don't want to make this into like a full hour episode of just me rambling on about back squat technique. But if you have any other questions, feel free to reach out. I'm going to put um, that link to the hip cards that you can start doing uh, daily and before your back squat day to get those hips moving properly and have better integrity in that joint capsule. And add me on Facebook. Click the link in the show notes. Send me your videos. Give me some feedback. Let me know if you have any topics you want me to get into. I love it all. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. And share, 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 share this podcast with your friends. My ebook is almost done. I feel like I say this every week, but it is almost there. Um, stay tuned. It's going to be freaking amazing. It's well worth the wait. Until next time, you guys, that's it for me. 